0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCoursey here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm thinking about firing some of our clients at Fullscale. What do you think about that? I don't know. Are they paying clients? Yeah, but I'm actually just kidding. I already fired some of our clients. <laughs>
1: ah. I mean, sometimes it they're paying cra-
0: the it, it sounds crazy, man. It sounds crazy. You know, I, one of the things I've been doing is recording reaction videos to different podcasts. And by the time this one comes out, those will start appearing on YouTube. And I was doing a Talking about talking to the camera a little bit about that, and I was like, man, it might sound crazy thinking about firing your clients, but sometimes it can be the best thing you can do for your business. So, I mean, I think everyone that's been around for a while has probably done it.
1: Yeah, I mean, some clients are a pain, and some of them don't pay very much, and some of them are very demanding. I mean, sometimes it just makes sense.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about here on part forty of fifty-two of our series about how to start a tech company. Before we get too far into that today's episode of Startup Hustles, brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, Matt, I wasn't kidding. Sometimes firing clients is actually the right thing to do, and you know, I I had a little time to, you know, kind of think about this, and you know, it's I, I think at one point this would have felt somewhat illogical or like something that you wouldn't want to do, but not all business is good business. And, you know, the last several years at full scale working with all these different tech companies and helping them build teams I've, you know, and you've, you've seen it occur is we've managed to narrow down like who's a good fit for us and who isn't, but when it's not a good fit, man, it sucks.
1: Well, and for a lot of different reasons, right? And and sometimes it's just the wrong product offerings. For, for example, for a while, we were doing Salesforce development, right? So we had a client that wanted us to do to hire Salesforce developers, and we did that. But then you come to the conclusion that that's like the only client we have. And then if that client leaves, what do we do with these employees that are employees? I mean, we, right. we don't want to just fire them. And depending on the HR laws... you. Can't fire them right like they didn't do anything wrong um, so right. it's just it's a struggle right like sometimes it's uh trimming down the menu to uh, be more successful as a company
0: right and we you know we went through this you know we're here to talk about starting a tech company and full scale's kind of a hybrid company because you know we do tech services and have some tech of our own but you know, I also look at, you know, I was, as I was reflecting and thinking about today's episode, I was also thinking about like the users at Gigabook. And I know that at Stackify, you had a free product for a while. And, you know, the, so, you know, at one point at Gigabook, when I, I looked through and, you know, we used to offer, it was just $8 for every seat that you had all the way up the line. And the more and more we looked at it, we realized that, quite honestly, most of our pain in the ass came from the people that were only paying eight bucks. And, you know, so we doubled that price and, I'm, and, I, and I don't regret it. I actually do regret it. I regret not making it $20 instead of making it 15. Um, and some of that, you know, sometimes you need to either decide if you're going to raise your prices or fire your clients for the sake of being able to actually service them. You know, and that was the main thing is for eight bucks a month and a single seat, like I can't even answer a phone call. Yeah. Like, I mean, the business is losing money when that occurs. And most of the time, those same accounts just stayed at that value of eight bucks. So kind yeah, of like I mean, you were you, saying like.
1: You, I mean, you can't afford to provide the level of customer service that you would want to provide or the quality of product that you would want to provide. Like you just can't even
0: do it. Right. Right. Now, in some cases, you know, regardless of what type of business you have, if you're thinking about the customers and the people you do business with, I mean, what, what do you think about, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you go to buy a home and you're like, hey, this home is 400 grand. And then you go to look at all the truth and lending statements and you're like, wow, I'm going to pay $700,000 by the time I'm done making all these payments. So there's like kind of like Loans have truth in lending. I feel like businesses have like truth in clients and like, (laughs) I mean, yeah. well, it's true. It's like, it's like, go, go back to those $8 a month people that we had at Gigabook. And it's like, you can't afford to provide service for them. And if they're the ones that are like really weighing down the whole process and they're driving up your costs, I mean, eventually, I mean, all everything, Hey, look, you don't have to listen to all 52 parts of this series to come to the realization that eventually your business needs to make profit.
1: Well, so, and, and sometimes it's, you're not ready for that type of customer. So for example, at a previous company I was, I was working at, um, you know, we had a, a web-based offering. So clients would sign up and it was a SaaS product, right? So it was, we hosted everything and we had a large client sign up. And um, honestly, our system wasn't ready for a client that large. So, I think they were paying us like $5,000 a month to use our product, which is awesome, right? And they signed a year-long contract. Uh, It was costing us probably $15,000 a month to host it because the way we were storing the data and everything wasn't ready for that level of scale. There was all sorts of performance issues. They were sending us more data than we thought they were going to send us. Like we were killing ourselves. Now, the good news is sometimes these are opportunities, right? It's okay. We can figure out, we have to figure out how to do this and figure out how to optimize it. And sometimes the only way you do that is by just being thrown into the deep end and you just have to figure it out, right? Because um, it's hard to to plan and, and test for those scenarios until you're in them. Um, but in this case, uh, the company didn't really bid the customer the right way. We should have been charging the customer you know, five or 10 times more money than, than we were charging them probably to have a a good margin. Um, and that was painful, but at at what point in time can you fire the client? You signed an annual contract with them. So at the end of that annual contract, you're like, we're not going to renew the contract or we've got to, you know, make the price significantly higher. And those are difficult situations to be in as a tech company is sometimes you sign up these customers, you just can't handle. how do you resolve that? Oh, they're just paying through the nose for the AWS hosting bill. I mean, there's there's nothing else they, they could the do. client
0: did or you did?
1: You, like uh, you we kept, you did. Kept, did you keep the client? Yeah, it's have to keep the client and, and we're losing money on the client. Uh, I mean, we got a at least a 12-month contract with them, so we're just stuck with it. We're losing money on this deal.
0: Now, there's a real easy way to prevent the need to fire your clients. Do you know what that is, Matt? Nope. Pick the right ones before their clients. Yes, absolutely. I mean that is the number one according according to Matt and Matt and our statistics about how to prevent clientitis, um, which is the new disease I just admi- I just uh, invented that comes with taking any and all business that you can possibly see. You're like Pac Man for for client deals. Uh, you gotta you gotta know who you want to do business with and who you're best served and what your niche is and you know it, admittedly at full scale we it took us about a year to figure that out you know we were taking you know we've really kind of resolved ourselves that we need to work with software companies that already have traction and have some understanding of what they're doing and not all day one startups now that doesn't well, mean we don't work with day one startups but when they do we got to have a pretty good idea that they have some experience some plan. And for us, it all it all stems around that they won't treat our people like shit either, because that's our biggest asset at our company is our people.
1: Well, and for example, if if I called you up at Full Scale today and said, "Hey, I need you to build me a WordPress website," um, I'd say no. Yeah, I'd say I no. Mean, that's not what we clear, do. Clearly, yeah. could do it, right? I'm sure there's a yeah. whole bunch of people that could do it, but it's yep. like, eh, just not the kind of work we want to do, right? And yep. you got to figure out what you want to do and and what scales, right? You're like, hey, this is our focus and we want to just keep doing this thing. I mean, it's no different than a restaurant that has a limited menu, right? And a lot of times what a a restaurant does to improve themselves is actually taking things off the menu so they can focus on a, a smaller set of things and higher quality within those menu offerings, right? And running a tech business is very much the same.
0: I mean, that was pretty much the, the Ray Kroc McDonald's approach, you know, like, Hey uh, we make 90% of our sales and 90% of our profit off of selling hamburgers, French fries and shakes. Yeah. So why do we have all this other shit on the menu? Let's not, we, that, it, and, and that's the, the case in point. Now, I think that I, I would imagine that, you know, here at the tail end of the pandemic, that there's probably a lot of people that got themselves into some shitty deals and contracts just trying to preserve and yeah. you know the thing Whatever is, it took is to like, get business. yeah and the thing is is you don't I don't think you need to think of that as living you know living with that forever I mean I did Matt I just did a call this morning with a you know a a prospective client and it was a young company. They didn't have any traction yet. They didn't really have any of the things that we needed. Now the thing was, is I could see them getting there. And I think it's okay to tell people that you say, Hey, look, I'm just not sure you're ready for us yet. Now. I mean, that might not always be the case with certain types of tech, you know, but I mean, really in the end, the way to prevent needing to fire your clients is to bring the right ones in. So let's talk about that for a second. Like. As a as a tech company or a software platform, how do you do that? How do you vet who signs up for it?
1: Well, it's it's qualifying the customer, right? Trying to understand the <laughs> problems they have, the problems they're trying to solve, and if it feels like something that we can solve, you know, at, at full scale, somebody comes up a uh, call said, "Hey, I have a PHP app. It's you know, uses MySQL. It's a it's a web application. I need a couple developers to help." improve it you know I've I've got other developers already on the project um, it's like hey this sounds like a good fit right but and then a lot of other cases maybe it's not you know like man this is just not this is gonna be difficult it's gonna be really difficult to work with this client and just setting yourself up for success.
0: I think sometimes you have to w- with tech and software you also have to try to identify some usage parameters which sounds like yeah. what you didn't do with that other client is like how is this really going to affect us? Like, you know, you look at gigabook and it costs like a penny every, uh, every, uh, text message we send as a reminder. So if you're sending thousands of them a month through our system, then that's, that's a negative thing. So we just literally created some logs and went and looked at the people that were like, (laughs) we're like, okay, we are losing money on these clients or these users. Now here's the thing is go and approach them and try to work out something that puts you in a spot where you're not at a loss for letting them use your stuff, because yeah. I mean, really, in the end, the best business relationships are the ones that stand on mutually beneficial ground. You know, and if if you go and you say, "Hey, look, um, this is killing us, and I'm not going to be able to do this anymore, but I want to work with you," so can we find some common ground? Now, if you get a, someone that says no, then you weren't working with the right people all along. I mean, if if they're not going to reciprocate any of that, that wasn't a very good relationship. And if they're willing to work something out, then I think you have, you, there's a possibility there. You know, the worst
1: clients that I've ever dealt with were the ones that we gave our product to for free. And I don't know why, but they are always the ones that bitch about everything and they don't even pay. And it's just like they don't really appreciate or respect what it is you're giving them. And partly, I guess it's because they're not paying for it. And they are just always the giant, most giant pains in the ass.
0: Is that the same experience you've had? Yeah. I mean, it was back to that $8 user. I mean, we had a couple people like, and I, it's funny cause it's been years since I've been like, I don't, I'm not involved in the day to day gigabook anymore, but you know, I can remember the, the people's names we had a couple different people that were paying like eight bucks a month. And the problem was they were just blowing up our support and then they weren't even treating the people in the support department. Well, so, I mean, I just emailed them. I'm like, Hey, at first off, um, we had one lady at one point that was like 90% of our support tickets. (laughs) One person was 90%. You remember that? Do you remember me telling you about that years ago? And I mean, and I just emailed her and I was like, I just need you to know that like you're 90% of our support tickets and most of the stuff is not, it, uh, 99% of this is not, is not because something's wrong with what we've built. And well, then you're and- treating, you're treating our people poorly on top of it too. And, you know, we had people that just wanted to do a good job. We're client and user obsessed. You know, we want to try to help people succeed, but you got to draw a line somewhere.
1: Well, haven't we had some weird experiences at Full Scale too when we've done some work for free or, yeah. or like gave away some work like to startups and and they're they're like um, yeah, can you work for two hours today Uh and then yeah. nothing for the next three weeks because that money you're giving us the free credits you're giving us we, really, uh, we only we want we to really use need two to hours it. of it today.
0: Yeah, yeah, we had <laughs> so yeah, so if, at Full Scale we <laughs> that don't. Doesn't have really months. work that way. <laughs> Dude, we don't have long term contracts, and uh, um, you know that's meant to give you some assurance when you come in. So we provide value, and we yeah we gave away. I mean, we've given away a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of free work to startups as part of just local things that were going on. Yeah, we had one, we had one person with their free credit that would add someone to their team, and on that same day, give thirty days notice. (laughs) so they could just get 30 days worth of work. And, uh, um, I put a stop to that like instantly. And, you know, that was the thing is like, Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be told or manipulated about how I'm going to give you free shit. So, and Matt, I've got, I've got a couple scenarios of common, common reasons or, or why, you might want to fire a client, and before I get into that, today's episode of Start a Hustle is brought to you at Fullscale.io, where hopefully we won't have to fire you as a client after helping you build the software team quickly and affordably. Probably not. That's our, new, that's our new brand message now, Matt. That's yeah, our new. Uh, you'll probably be fine. Uh, hang, hang on, let me let me put that on the on the banner of the website <laughs> because that's going to bring them in. Well, that's the thing. You don't want to like normally say it. you're like, hey, well. We might have to fire you as a client. I mean, that's only happened a couple of times, but I mean it does happen. So first off, you know, are you I, I believe you are familiar with the the Pareto principle, the law of 8020.
1: Yeah, mostly this that it's called the 8020 rule for sure.
0: <laughs> now I want to say something sure. about 8020. Like if you really like have some time with it, you can pretty much shape 80 twenty to be about whatever the fuck you want. Like you really can't, do you, Matt. Do you know that eighty percent of the time you only do twenty percent of the sponsor reads? I mean, that show? sounds about right. Yes, I mean,ing you don't even finish them. That's true.
1: Yeah, but actually you also know, true, but you, you really, also know that seventy three percent of all statistics are made up.
0: Yeah, and the 20% of statistics are correct, but 80% of the incorrect statistics make up fake news. Oh, we good. I mean, I got that off of Abraham Lincoln's Twitter. So, okay. you know, I mean, yeah, but so anyway, Vilfredo Pareto. And yeah, I knew that without even needing notes. Uh, I created the 80 20 rule. And that's, you know, it's the thing is, is oftentimes you'll say 20% of your clients or users will give you 80% of your support tickets. Um, Also, 20% of your clients will likely give you 80% of your profit. Now, the question is, is where do whoever you're talking to dealing with or like any of it, where do they fit into that graph? Because I put a poll up in the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook. Oh man, it was a month ago. It was like, does your ability or willingness to put up with shit dramatically increase when the dollar size of the opportunity does as well and for me the answer is yes yeah absolutely right right so the question is is where where are these folks from you know where does where does this fit in and you know like and i and i don't want to give the impression that like we sit around and fire clients all day because we haven't it was just a couple back in the day and it was a bad fit that's actually the next thing, the, the bad product to customer fit. So the number of customers you have is not, is not the uh, only important thing. It's also important to make sure that the solutions you provide meet the problems your customers have, you know, customer needs and accounting management software. And you offer website optimization services. That isn't a very good fit.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's just, you have the wrong, you know, primary user at the company you know, like you're talking to the wrong persona and the person you're talking to just doesn't understand, like you should be talking to one of their coworkers or, I mean, it could be a lot of different things, but it's just not the right fit for whatever reason. And at well, the and end of the day, that's
0: what, that's, that's been why we fired clients at full scale. I want to say fired. We wasn't like, you're fired, but it was like, Hey man, this isn't working out. I think it's time for us to maybe go in a different direction. How do we, how do we do that and not sink your battleship?
1: Yeah. Yep. Sometimes just not a good fit.
0: Well, for us, it was, you know, because so many of our employees are senior in nature with in their experience is they just don't want to work on. They want to do things that challenge them. And then at full scale for us, it was really figuring out where we could build long-term solutions with companies that needed long-term solutions. So some of the things I talk about finding the right clients on the way in, like some of that's just qualifying and asking questions, Matt, are your needs short-term or long-term long? See, that's an example of a qualifying question. And that is a good answer for us at full scale. Now, let me ask you another one who, which of the following are already on your team? Uh, a, a lead developer, a project manager, or a product owner. Product owner. Okay. So now, if you said none, that's that's not that's not a good that's not a favorable response because we find that our most successful accounts have one of those three that already has experience and is in motion.
1: Well, so another great example of this would be actually trying to raise capital right? Like you're trying to raise capital and VCs don't give you any. Well, you're not a good fit for them. <laughs> and what a lot of the times that you're too small. I mean, if you're KKR and you've got a $10 billion fund and you need to raise $2 million or like, why would they waste their time writing $2 million right. to you when they could find somebody else that would take 200 million? Like there just doesn't make sense for them, to waste their time with a small opportunity either. And in a lot of cases in business, it just comes down to being the right fit, the right you know, type of customer you're targeting.
0: We've talked about that time and time again when it comes to raising capital, that if you have a service company and you're pitching to a company that only invests in enterprise software, it's the same example. You're not getting a check. It's yeah. not the right fit. You know? And then some of it's like, so here's another thing. So depending on what you do, um, like in our case at Full Scale, we have a high level of expertise and experience. And if a client wants to just ignore anything you say or insists on working in a way that you know isn't right, it's probably not a good fit. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing more
1: frustrating than working with people that, you know, you, you know how things need to be done and they just, they don't listen or they just always want to do it the opposite way. Um, it's very frustrating. And sometimes when you're working with your clients, they're just they're just not using your product the right way. They're trying to do the wrong things with it they don't do training. You tell them, Oh, your, your, your employees need to do, need to do training, you know, whatever it is. And then it's just gonna be very frustrating.
0: Well, I mean, I tell our, our clients and prospects at full scale, I tell them a lot. I say, you know, I, it's your business. You got to make the decisions. Now, based on a success formula, we've spent four years developing and have provided over a million hours of service through, you know, this is what people are doing that they find successful. And then sometimes you know, they just want to go the other way. And, you know, it's also, you know, I mean, that's, it doesn't mean that they always need to listen to you. I mean, people need to make their own decisions, but the problem is, is if you tell people, Hey, try this, try this, try this. And then they're emphatic about trying something else, else, and else, and then it doesn't work. And it's somehow your fault or your service sucks yeah. or something. I mean, yeah. that that's, that's like, kind of like complaining about shit you get for free. It's yep. just, it's frustrating. You you paid. So here next, um, man, life is too short to deal with abusive clients. And this has been, this is a thing and this rarely happens, but when it does, I take it really seriously at full scale. Cause you know, our team becomes your team. And if I find out that someone on a client's team or the client themselves is treating our people like crap, I will move swiftly to, to stop that shit now, because come on, first off, it's not a good way to try to get what you want out of the people you're working with on your team. And the next question's why, you know, like, and, and that's, I mean, that can happen, man. You get people that, I mean, dude, I've been an adult in the workforce for a quarter century at this point, Man, I'm getting old, but you know, you get, you get people that just tear into you like you can count on it like oh, all yeah. the time, every time. It's one thing for someone to be upset. And, you know, sometimes you got to let people vent it out and that shit happens. But I mean, some people, 100% of the time are just dickheads. And those are the people I don't have time for.
1: Yeah. I'll never forget. There was a time at Ven Solutions is like 15 years ago that we had a customer call up and it was car dealership. And so they call us up and talking to one of our support people and they're just MF this, MF that, you know, F this, F that just like, Oh my God. Like, uh, no, we're not going to deal with this. It's just, it's just, it's crazy how inappropriate some people can be. And you're absolutely right. There are some people that just love to bitch. Like everybody knows somebody on the, at the homeowners association group that's this way. (laughs) They bitch about everything that happens in the HOA. It doesn't matter what it is. They find something to bitch about. Yeah. It's not fun having that person as a client.
0: So at GigaBook, and I've licensed everyone there to treat people with the the same level of respect that they're being treated with. Meaning if someone tells you to fuck off and I find out that you told them to fuck off, I'm not going to cry. Would I prefer that you did that? No, not really. But I think that you you get what you give and it happens, man. So, all right. (laughs) this next one on the list is one of my favorites. And this is actually probably the biggest reason that we've moved on from client relationships at full scale. Uh, people are non-responsive, you know, like you, so especially with building software and the way our model set up is it's so heavy on the back and forth and the communication and, you know, I've, I've had people, I had, we had one client, he's like, oh, we're not making the progress that we need. And I'm like, well, let me look into it. And I went and I talked to the people on the team and they said, sometimes it takes him two weeks to reply to simple questions. And I'm like, wow, okay. So that's not really something I can put us at fault for. And my next question was actually, are you continuing to try to get a response? Yes, every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And you, and you're met with silence more so than not. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to be successful doing that? You know, it's like.
1: Well, and a good, a good example of this we would face at, at Netrio is doing proof of concepts. You're trying to do a POC with some big client. And if you can't get them to work with you to do the POC, the proof of concept work, like it's just never going to go anywhere. And it's like, why should we invest all of our time? Cause it takes us a ton of time to do the POC and work with them and set it up and all this stuff, hoping that one day they will pay. Um, and if they're not responsive and, and not very interested, like why waste my time chasing them around?
0: And that, that tells you that your, what you're offering isn't a very high priority on that, that office. Yeah. And that's, that's yep. not a strong buying signal. I mean, it's really not. And like, The opposite of that is working with someone you're doing like a proof of concept and they're like, Hey, this is, this is Mary and she's assigned to helping you with this until we figure out if this is, if this proves out or not. And then that person is responsive. They care. They give you a list of what they need. And like, that's the thing when it comes to building tech, especially when you're building software solutions for people, if you don't know what those people need and what they need to do, then it's difficult. It's a lot harder. All right next on the list and this is one that in some companies so you know i've openly admitted here on the show that one of the one of the weaknesses at full scale is that it's driven by people um, which means that the while that's also our strength cuz our people are awesome at the same time those people can only provide a finite amount of output and that's why your tech company could potentially be worth multiples of really of of your revenue, because software shows up every day. And in some cases, you can have a shitload more users without having a bunch more people at your office. But if resources are limited, and you only have so much bandwidth to provide service, and you're sucking it all up with your lowest margin, lowest growth, shittiest accounts, it's not really the right way to run your business.
1: Well, and, and back to the example earlier of the proof of concept stuff, it's like we can only do so many proof of concepts, right? So it's like we have to pick the ones that are the best opportunities and the biggest clients. Like the the little guys that don't want to spend any money, like, like have to decline. Like, sorry, we can't even do a proof of concept with you. Um, and, you know, at, at full scale, you know, for example, it's hard where a client. Same thing. The yeah. client wants to sign up and, it, and you're like, you know what? We can't even get. We're not even going to start with you because we don't have the talent available, or it's not the right, you know, kind of talent, or we have other clients that are are ahead of you in line, right? Like sometimes it's just frustrating, and it's like, well, maybe we have to put you on the back burner, and hopefully we can work with you later, whatever, right? Like that that can all be very frustrating.
0: I've got a long list of, of those at full scale. I mean, honestly, and it's fair, and you know the thing is, Matt, is I. I'm just really transparent and I tell people that. And you know another thing too is is when you know you have a finite amount of of output that you can generate, you need to use it wisely. And yeah. sometimes if if it's scarce and we just just the the demand for our services has been huge, so some of that is you know the nature of people. One thing I can guarantee you is whoever you employ now or wherever you work, that won't last forever. Because at a minimum, one of you is going to croak and then it ends. <laughs> like that's the longest term of whatever you could have. I mean, unless, you, unless your tech company has created infinite living, you know, then you're going to, you are guaranteed to have some change. So like part of it too, is like not overcrowding your client list to the point where you can't provide the support and the results. I mean, that's another reason. And sometimes that's where you thin, you might have to thin things down. And I think really in the end, you just need to like be reasonable and communicative. And I think people that, that, I mean, some of them might get pissed and shitty. All right, that makes that decision pretty easy. And then some people, that I mean, I think a good relationship with the client, they want your business to be successful too, because if you're helping them be successful, they want you to stick around.
1: Well, and, and another example of this, that isn't tech related, but like the the guys that were mowing my grass, they had so many clients that when I would call them to ask them to do other things I needed to be done and like doing a higher quality job, they couldn't get it done because they had too many clients to deal with. I'm like, well, I can help solve that problem for you. (laughs) I'm going to go somewhere else that gives me the level of service I need. But to them, they, to some degree, sort of limited the amount of clients they have because like, you know, then they can't provide a high level of service to all their customers is the point, right? Like, they're spreading themselves too thin and all of a sudden they're going to lose all their business because all their customers are unhappy
0: or I mean, unhappy. And yep, yep. I mean, it's like going to you've a restaurant in-
1: these days where nobody has servers and next thing you know, every customer you have is mad because you've got one server trying to help the whole damn restaurant. Like it's a crazy world we live in right now.
0: Yeah. And that's not, I mean, that's a good example. I mean, the same thing with the lawn, like I mean, at your business, you need to assume that shit's going to happen like in the lawn example, it might rain 10 days in a row. Okay, now you're 10 days behind. And if you are already behind, it's going to yeah. get real ugly. Because, yeah. I mean, on some of that, it depends. How replaceable are you? You know, like there's a lot of places that mow lawns. Oh, yeah. I called somebody and they were here uh, the next day. And, and they probably killed it. They killed it. Yeah. So, all right. So here we are at part 40. And, you know, we've talked about not getting stuck in the middle, what sales channels are. User support, learning from feedback, a whole lot of other stuff. And, you know, overall, like now that we're our assumption in this series is that you've got something going. And this is one of those decisions that and, and directives in a company that can begin to make you more profitable. And, you know, that's that this is important stuff yeah I mean it really is, and giving that consideration you know like and sometimes you have to make tough decisions i mean we're in a this is gonna be a real it's gonna be real interesting we're recording this in twenty twenty one but twenty twenty two is i think gonna be pretty wild because you're looking at like the costs of a ton of stuff look like they're gonna shoot to the moon and it comes it's inflation gonna change, it's gonna yeah, it's going to change. Well, that's what happens when you give away trillions of dollars for free. And, you know, so some of that and supply chain issues and a bunch of other stuff, it's like, I think a lot of people are stuck or having to make these decisions, you know, like, because selling more isn't always the most profitable solution.
1: No, sometimes it's just optimizing the book of business you have. And since we're talking about a tech startups, and, you know, potentially firing your clients, I, you know, another subject that we haven't brought up that I think is highly relevant is kind of making a pivot, right? Like sometimes you've got a bunch of customers and you might have multiple products and you decide to make a pivot. You're like, look, we're not going to do this service anymore. Um, we're going to go focus on this other thing. And sometimes you just have to kind of give up a whole product or or part of the business. And for example, at Vin Solutions, you know, this was like 15 years ago. You know, we were selling a software product for car dealers to track their inventory and stuff. But we were also providing a service that was labor intensive where we'd go out and take pictures of their cars for them. And we had employees in 20 different states. Um, we were going around taking pictures of cars. You can imagine that was a nightmare, by the way. Like Joe in Denver doesn't is sick today and can't show up or quits. Like, what do we do now? One of us has to go out to Denver and take pictures of cars. Like, screw that. That's why he's selling software. It's awesome. And uh you know, we decided at one point in time, you're like, eh, we don't want to do that anymore. We actually sold off that part of the business. So we could focus on just the software. Um, but being when you're a tech company and you're a startup, and you're trying to figure things out. I think one thing to really keep in mind is sometimes you got to make a pivot and you got to pivot away from a whole different part of the business.
0: Yeah, and we did that at full scale too. like you were mentioning earlier Salesforce. And, you know, Salesforce is a huge platform. But it wasn't particularly easy for us to source the right people. And when the pandemic hit, you know, we just decided to narrow our service offering. Now we still were, we honored the commitments that we had and you know, like it is what it is, but we decided we weren't going to, we weren't going to we weren't going to pile onto that mess. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it too, is like, if you don't feel comfortable with like a hard stop in a relationship or, you know, cause there's the thing, it is significantly more expensive to find new clients than it is yes. to keep the ones you have. But in, in the end though, if you have a bunch of unprofitable relationships, like really, you just need to come to the reality that you're not really losing anything. Like you're actually gaining when you get its addition through subtraction. And, you know, now there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And I don't think you can just always, you know, like I mentioned, some of it's hidden, you know, like what's the support cost here? Or in your case, Matt, for the different things you've owned, it's been so centric around cloud computing costs. Yeah. Which yep. which are were difficult, probably difficult in many cases to really narrow down as far as like, who's driving this up? Well,
1: especially when you're building a new product, right? And you really don't know how many server resources it's going to take to support this thing. And at, at Stackify was very data centric. Like we knew we were capturing like billions of data points and our hosting costs were a big thing. We're like a gigabook. It's probably less of a thing. It's like, okay, we got appointments, but it's not like, it's not every user has a terabyte of data or something. Right. Like,
0: no, um, but if, but if, and they're not but, turning a million pages or anything like that, it was about yeah. text messages, emails and support. Yeah. Big yeah, time so I mean, support, which was very, very difficult to track without logging who's asking for help and how yeah. long it took. Which, by the way, makes it even more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The easiest way is asking your support people. All right, who's a real pain in your ass right now? Oh, they know. And they, oh, they do. Oh, trust me, they know. Like through and through, because you know some of it's like holding people's hands. So. I mean, all right, Matt, so here we are, we're at the end of this episode. I mean, what, what are the things that really stick out? What are the lessons learned that we've got here?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about how, you know, firing your clients, but honestly, it's not so much about firing a client. It's about avoiding the ones that are not the best fit. Right. So it's not all about firing them. It's also just about avoiding them. Um, And, you know, some of that is, as we've been talking about in other episodes, right. Is identifying your target audience and your niche and, you know, go-to-market strategy and attracting the right kind of customers and all those things so just get yourself set up for success and honestly one of the biggest problems um, for for young tech companies we talked about this too is just trying to solve problems for everybody right and one of my favorite things is is swat sell what's available today right where wow, a lot of that's a that's a news that's a new yeah, iteration of SWAT. That's a new like acronym that. for you. Sell what's available look today.
0: At, look at look at Watson holding out to the 38th yeah. minute with something new. That's why you got to listen to the whole episode, folks.
1: And and sometimes, right. especially in a early stage startups, your sales and marketing team will promise the world and you you get all these customers that are not happy, you can't deliver the right product to them, you spend all of your energy trying to make shit work that it's not even really what you want to do. You you, you know, you're 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 going towards your north star, but your sales team keeps selling shit that goes due east. And um uh, just remember that sell what's available today and that you'll be successful with and your customers will be happy with. Your support team can support it. Otherwise you end up in a clusterfuck of like selling shit that we don't even do. The customers are mad. The support team hates their life. Like everybody wants to quit. I've been there. You don't want to be there.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, the, the a couple of things stick out. Uh, well, first off, I think we're in agreement that the preventative, preventative uh, measures uh, don't, don't import the problem and increase it. Like if you can qualify, you can learn a lot about a prospective client or a relationship by a- and s- asking some very simple questions. And the problem is, is you got to be disciplined enough to identify when the wrong is in front of you. Now, depending on how big your company is, some of that could, like you mentioned, salespeople and marketer in your marketing department, if you're, if you have one can get you in a lot of hot water. Um, you know, like nothing drives me crazy more than salespeople that overpromise and underdeliver uh, just to get a deal. Uh, that that's not great. I think that overall, though, when it comes to you know, if you can prevent that, then you're not going to bring in more pissed off people or the wrong kind of people. Now, when it comes to you know, getting rid of abusive or shitty or just like negative clients, like I- I'll tell you what, go do that and you'll be a hero inside your organization. Yeah. I mean, you're going to show your people that you went over and above. And, you know, we did that at one point. We realized at Full Scale, we realized we had a client that had just driven our team to like work way past Uh, the normal capacity. And we literally said, hey, we are paying these people for all of this overtime and you're paying for it. We're not making money off this, but this is just simply fair. And we were heroes, you know, internally that went a long way. And that, that had a lot, that was very early and in our timeline at full scale. And, you know, now if we ask our employees when polled, what's the one thing that stands out about us as an employer, they say we the company cares. And I mean, what's that worth? Because it's worth a lot. I mean, you can't, that's like literally... Yeah, that is literally that item on your balance sheet where you it, as listed as goodwill. And you're like, what's the value of that? Cuz the thing is is like you look at that and then you consider the fact that most of our employees that we had at one point were referred to the company by other employees. They wouldn't do that if they didn't think that they're not going to tell their friends, colleagues, family members to come work for the company if they think the company treat is going to treat everyone like shit. So you can be a hero. You can turn this in. And then the last thing is, is, dude, do you know how much better I've just felt in life? Like literally, like, I don't need your money, lady or sir. Like, I don't need it compared to the agony and the bullshit that you bring into my life. Like, and the thing is, is without peace of mind, nothing else has much flavor. So if it's not worth it, it's not worth it. And that's okay. You know, like, I mean, you know, because if you're going to continue a relationship that you're not happy with, I mean, it's the same thing, man. It's all, it's like real life relationships. Like no one's like, you know what? He treats you like shit. You guys should probably get married. Nope. I mean, is that the advice you've ever given anyone? Yeah. Hard right. past. So think of it. It's the same way. So you got a lot of, a lot of ways to be a hero and yeah. Now Matt, by the way, you know, I like, I like landmarks, you know, we provided our one, our 1 millionth client service hour at full scale.
1: That's crazy, man. That's really Isn't crazy it? to think of a million hours.
0: I mean, a million hours of time. Like, I mean, wow. And look, I mean, here's the thing is that's back to that whole like culture and all of it. And knowing that having our employees know that we care because they ain't going to show up and do a million hours of anything. If it's that shitty, there's a lot of opportunity nope. out there. It's all about the people. So, I mean, that's a key ingredient. Well, Matt, I'm going to go review our client list now. Thanks for joining me. All right. See you. <laughs> Bye.